Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. Well, it's uh, a new year and the possibility for a fresh start. But if you're like me, perhaps feelings about 2020 are a little bit mixed. Perhaps 2019 didn't actually go so well for you. You had some high hopes and then you sort of met with some... Uh, things that went wrong and, and worries and uh, a few setbacks, um, perhaps a few habits that you can't ch- seem to shake off, um, or maybe you're just exhausted from this constant uh, drumbeat of stresses and, and worries that keep seeming to crop up. And so 2020 is a little bit daunting. Uh, it feels like some of the songs that we sang just before that it's, a, it's potentially a little bit of a burden. Uh, but, but you want to know that there's a confidence in the future. You want, you want assurance that God is looking out for you. And so Psalm 121 is for you and it's for me. Um, last week we heard that Psalm 121 is part of the 15 songs of ascent. So that's Psalm 120 through to 134. And traditionally, that's about pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem. And these were some of the songs that they sang on their way to celebrating Passover and Pentecost and the Feast of the Tabernacles. Thousands of pilgrims went every year. Uh, Some scholars say that uh, the, the population of Jerusalem tripled or even quadrupled during this time. But of course, uh, with lots of pilgrims, Uh, It also attracts robbers on the way, and there are other dangers like the weather and wild animals. And so it was a real risk of loss of finances and health to go to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. But Psalm 121 encouraged the pilgrims with a promise of God's protection. And sometimes... This psalm is known as the Traveller's Psalm. But how is it useful to to us today? Well, when you become a Christian, uh, life doesn't, unfortunately, magically stop having its worries and troubles and trials. Um, The Christian life is described by various pictures in the Bible. One of these is a race, another is a battle, and I think the picture here for us today is that life is a journey. And on that journey, we face all sorts of setbacks, illnesses, and trouble, and disasters, and accidents. But the question this psalm asks is, where does your help come from? Who do you look to when things start to go wrong in your life? And so we're going to find out what the psalm actually says and the solution that it gives us. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of gathering together. We thank you that despite all of the things that we face in our lives and discouragements and worries that we have, that you're here as our protector and you're right beside us. Help us to understand what this psalm is saying to us and and how we can know you personally as our protector. In Jesus' name, amen. The 15 uh, songs of ascents come in triplets. So each triplet describes the experience of the the follower of 
a, of Yahweh, a, a, a Jew in the past or today, a disciple of Jesus. And it's a cycle of we struggle uh, and then we trust in God and then we receive the things that he's promised us. And so we, we face hostility and we live in weaknesses uh, and then we run to our God for grace and mercy and, and then we can take hold of all of the resources that he offers us in Christ. So at the moment we're looking at, as a church, at the first triplet. So Simon preached on Psalm 120 last week and that was about the distress and uh, the, the difficulty and tedium of life that the psalmist was facing. And so now we're up to the struggle part, uh, the, the trust part, uh, Psalm 121. How can we trust God? But it's because of his power and his care. And there's two pictures of God in this psalm. One is that God is our creator and the other is that he's our protector. So first of all, God is our creator. He's, uh, he wants us to not look to created things for our help, but to him who has created us. And so verses one and two say, I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. There are many interpretations of this first phrase of uh, what the hills might mean, and uh, unfortunately, we're actually not sure whether the psalmist was sad or glad. Uh, Jerusalem was located at a high point in Israel's geography, so perhaps he was seeing the hills and thinking, oh, there's my final destination. Uh, but he also could have been concerned about the hills because maybe there were robbers there and bandits. Uh, or maybe he was thinking all the other religions... Uh, within Israel, the Canaanite religions, they had high places, uh, mentioned around 78 times in the New Testament, and this was where they would worship their gods on the mountains, and the mountains would actually uh, adopt uh, identities of various gods. And so maybe he's sort of comparing that. We can either trust that, that he doesn't trust in the God of the mountain, he trusts in the God who makes the mountains. But then he asks the question, where will my help come from? Where is the first place that you look to when you come up against a problem? Do you look for, to family or technology? I mean, it makes sense for us to look to the medical profession, of course, when we have a health problem, but the first place that the psalmist looks to in, in this psalm is he looks upwards. My help's comes from the Lord. Nikki Gumbel has said, regret looks back, fear looks around, worry looks in, but faith looks up. Why does the psalmist say his help comes from the Lord? Well, he gives the reason, because the Lord is the maker of the heaven and the earth. Many times in the Old Testament, the typical way that um, the Jews are encouraged to believe that God will provide for them is to look back at their history, to see all of the times through history when God has provided for them and saved them and rescued them. But here, this is, a, this is even more foundational. Uh, God is, all these times of rescue are possible because God is the maker of the universe. The creator God is not the the supreme being that just creates the earth 
and then leaves it be and has nothing to do with it, as the deists want us to believe. He's a, an active God. He's a living God that wants to be involved in our lives and interact with us. The early church uh, in Acts chapter 4, when the religious leaders were trying to threaten the apostles and, and tell them not to preach, uh, their first reference in their prayer says, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. So where did the early church find the courage to keep preaching God's word with a, a society that was largely indifferent or even hostile? It was through understanding the power of God their creator. And it's a power that we can see today all around us from the enormous to the teensy. Uh, we see it in the Himalayas, with 50 mountains that are over seven kilometres high, and then we see it down to the DNA, which is four billion letters of code in every human cell, self-replicating, self-healing. It's amazing, the, the God of power our creator God is. So when you're stressed about something in your life, remember who it is that you can put your trust in. But the major theme of Psalm 121 is that God is our protector. And this is because there's a Hebrew word, shema, which comes six times in the psalm. And that word means to guard or keep or protect or observe. And so the pilgrim, this idea of protection is, is really uh, a major issue as they travel through dangerous country. But this thought of God being our protector actually uh, rests on the foundation of God being our creator. Uh, growing up, our family had a, um, a large vinyl record collection. And uh, in it, uh, there's, of course, the classics that every record collection should have, such as the Muppets and, uh, you know, odds and ends uh, of Welsh choirs and so on. But there's this one called uh, Kamal, one by Kamal. Um, and uh, don't ask me what uh, time it came out. Ask my parents. Uh, but... Uh, it has a song on it, and uh, the song is called He's Got the Whole World in His Hands. And this uh, song is actually has some parallels with Psalm 121, because one of the uh, following verses says, he's got you and me brother, he's got you and me sister in his hands. And so the same God who has created the universe also has us in his hands. He has mastery over the physical world, and he has the power, he's proven that, to be a protector of your life. And so we want to see three different ways in this psalm that God is our protector. And he provides constant protection. So he's a God that never sleeps. Verses 3 and 4 says, He will not allow your foot to slip, your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. Now, if the travelling pilgrims were injured, they didn't have the same hospitals or ambulances that we have today, it, it could be um, the paths were mountainous and a fall might mean serious injury or even death. And in the Old Testament, this idea of losing your footing is an expression for disaster. So God here is assuring them of a stability, that he's in control. And verse 3, there are two knots. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. And normally that word, not, is, uh, is used for requests and commands. 
So really, this verse should be taken as a wish or a prayer, and then it's answered by verse 4. So it's sort of saying something like, may God not let your foot be moved, may he not slumber. And then the answer is the assurance that, look, he who keeps Israel uh, is not, he doesn't slumber, he isn't asleep. And maybe it's a bit of a, a, a dig at the false god Baal at the time because Baal was known to fall asleep uh, in mythology. Uh, you might be able to remember there was the time when Elijah is against the 400 prophets on Mount Carmel and he says to them, well, your sacrifice isn't a light because, well, perhaps, um, uh, well, Baal's just having a little bit of a snooze. Uh, but our God, the God of the Bible, never sleeps. His attention never wavers. Uh, I once stopped to help someone on the side of the road that looked like they'd been hit by a car. It, it turns out they weren't, but it was a long story. Uh, but there was someone else there who uh, had an injury to the head. And uh, so I wasn't sure what to do, so I thought the safest thing is to ring an ambulance. Uh, and I was thinking about it afterwards. I didn't have to sort of go, oh, well, it's the week between uh, Christmas and New Year. Uh, You know, bins are emptied on different um, days and, you know, it's an absolutely hectic thing. I wonder if the emergency is going to be open or not. Uh, I wonder if I can actually call triple zero. No, they're open uh, 24-7, which is just like God is, open. Uh, He's he's ready for us at all times, but the difference is is that the um, ambulance took about 10 minutes to arrive, which was rather tense for me. Uh, but God is there instantaneously. He's always with us, ready to hear our prayer. He never sleeps. We also see from this psalm that God is our close protection. God is with us. Verse 5 says, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. And this word shade can, can mean physical shade or it might mean figuratively defence. Shade gives protection from the burning heat of the sun, which was necessary in the Middle East. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. But then it's got this little phrase about, on your right hand. There's another Psalm 16 which says, I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. So together this picture of shade and God's right hand is speaking of the closeness of God. He's our personal God. He's like a, in some ways a personal bodyguard. And this is a bit of a contrast with the start of the psalm because some people may have looked at the hills even as like a, a place of a hideout, a place of protection, But this is saying that God is always at your right hand. He's a roving bodyguard. And a bodyguard's main duty is to uh, protect their client or could be a group of people or a specific person. And and they have to be really um, aware of the schedule and the personality, the preferences, any potential dangers. They have to know their client really well. And... Um, this knowledge then means that when a a dangerous situation arises, they can make an informed decision of how to keep this person safe. 
And if you can afford a personal bodyguard, well, good for you. But what I find encouraging is that uh, God is, is even more uh, capable uh, than, the most, than the most acrobatic and strong and sharp-shooting bodyguard that you can hire today. Uh, he, he shows us this in a number of pronouns, personal pronouns in the chapter. Ten times we see the words you and your, emphasising to us that God is our personal protector. He knows our schedule, our lifestyle, uh, the things that we're worried about, our deepest yearnings, more than any human bodyguard can. And that's because we're indwelt by God's Holy Spirit. And so we see that God is our close protection. But finally, God is our complete protection. God is able to protect against all harm. There's some quite striking comments in these final few verses. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm he will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming both now and going, both now and forever. Now that first phrase, you might be wondering, well, how can you be struck by the moon? Uh, and there was actually, there is a, a Greek word that um, its literal meaning is to be moonstruck and uh, they used it to describe someone who had epileptic seizures. So perhaps it's related uh, to that, we, it's a bit hard to say, and some people today believe that the moon is potentially linked to, you know, a spikes in uh, hospital emergency intakes or things like that. I got a little bit sidetracked and had a look at a number of medical journal uh, papers, and uh, turns out that the, over the last decade, there's no strong correlation between moon phases and emergency intake. But anyway. Um, Maybe it's also referring to the extremes of temperature. I mean, the, the day is, uh, is ex the, under the sun, the Middle Eastern sun. Um, if you're not careful, you get heat stroke and potentially die. And then equally, the, the nights can be freezing uh, in the desert. But the main point is that God is protecting the traveler day and night, 24 seven. But the next phrase uh, is a little bit troubling. The Lord will protect you from all harm. I know when I first read that, I, I thought, that's, uh, that's a little bit hard to explain. Because, uh, well, we all know that other, other Christians that have experienced accidents, have, have cancer, uh, or even maybe sadly have, have passed away. So what, is, what does this phrase really mean? Well, if we look at other passages in the Old Testament we see that uh, while the Old Testament does emphasise the physical blessing of God, it never promises absolute physical protection. Take Job, for example. He was a righteous man, and yet uh, he went through a loss of his family, all of his livestock, and even had a personal disease. And these are things that God allowed in his life. And then if you look at the nation of Israel itself, the, the whole story in some ways of the Old Testament. Well, God didn't protect Israel from the consequences of their own sin. Isaiah 42 says, who gave Jacob to the robber and Israel to the plunderers? Was it not the Lord? Have we not sinned against him? They were not willing to walk in God's ways and they would not listen to his instruction. 
So God poured out his furious anger and the power of war on Jacob. And many other Psalms talk about the realities of suffering in our lives. Psalm 23 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So here the psalmist expects the shadow of death, which is a a metaphor for harm in his life, but he doesn't fear evil because like we read in Psalm 121, God is with us. And so when this psalm says the Lord will protect you from all harm, he will protect your life, I'd like to propose that this is really not talking about physical protection, although God does sometimes choose to protect us physically. Uh, I think it's more about spiritual protection. And he, God is promising to protect the, ultimately the most precious thing in our life, our relationship with God. And following this line in the New Testament, uh, Jesus has a lot to say uh, that agrees with this view. So Jesus says in John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have distressing trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And there's a great passage in Luke 21 that um, helps to explain Psalm 121. Jesus says, not a hair of your head will perish, by your endurance you will gain your lives. That's another ambitious promise. Not a hair of your head will perish. And yet, it's much clearer in this passage that God, that Jesus can't be talking about physical protection because, well, first of all, everyone dies and as far as I know, everyone who heard that statement has passed away and so that's the historical evidence that he must have been talking spiritually. And then he also says, by your endurance, you will gain your lives. That doesn't really make sense physically because how can you gain your life if you're already alive physically. So it must be referring to this, our spiritual lives and that endurance is that of faith in God's word despite all the circumstances that may be against us. And finally, we know that Jesus must have been talking spiritually in that sentence because it's saying, uh, because of the context where he says, you will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. So this psalm and Jesus is not promising, are not promising protection against physical harm, uh, but protection against spiritual harm. Jesus said, don't fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Evil can and, and will Uh, physically affect us in this life, but the extent of that physical effect on us is limited. Satan can uh, cause issues for us for for days, weeks, some people even decades, but ultimately the leash on Satan is short, but eternity with God is long. And our flesh and our relationships and things are painfully vulnerable for now, but our souls are perfectly and perpetually safe in Christ. Verse 7 says, He will protect your life. 
and God will protect the life that matters most, your spiritual life in Christ, the most satisfying and meaningful life, the one that lasts forever. And so if we trust in Christ, God will guard against ultimate harm in hell and give us a secure, lasting life with him in heaven. Verse 6 says, the Lord will protect your coming and going both now and forever. This is not just a poetic parallel, but it's also a favourite Hebrew way of contrasting. And so it names a pair of opposites to sort of include everything in between. And also that word forever uh, shows us that this, this verse is also pointing to a, a spiritual meaning, that it is pointing to a protection into eternity. Now, sometimes I still have my doubts though. I look at things going wrong in my life or things that just didn't turn out as I expected and you sort of think, well, does this, is this evidence that maybe God doesn't really care about me? Maybe he isn't capable of protecting me spiritually. Well, there's a great uh, passage in Romans 8 that Lauren read earlier, verses 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And it makes these specific lists of all the things that you might be able to think of that, uh, that you might think would, be, would, would actually be uh, more powerful than God's protection. But he ends with the fact that I am sure that neither death or life, angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this passage is helpful because once again it shows us that we should expect trouble in our lives, but uh, that God's promise can't be broken despite the circumstances. And Jesus actually goes further. Uh, In John 16 he says, no one will take my joy from you. And the Beatitudes that speak of God's joy, they surpass the the pain, the sorrow and the loss, the pain and the grief that we experience and that nothing can take away. Whereas the world can win its joys, but it can also lose them very easily as well. There can be a change in fortune or a collapse in health, a failure of a plan, and that can change away the change the the fickle joy of the world. But the Christian has this untouchable joy, a joy that depends on our relationship with God, not on the surrounding circumstances. And I'm not there yet. I'm still a a terrible worrier. Uh, I stress over things, but it's really because I I forget and I don't trust that God is uh, my ultimate protector. Um, There's one other passage in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 11, where Paul is just really realistic in his assessment of our struggles. And he says, we will face problems, but we don't have to struggle through it alone and unprotected. He says, we have this treasure of eternal life in clay jars, our physical bodies, so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way, 
but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body, that the life of Jesus might be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that Jesus' life may be displayed in our mortal flesh. Eugene Peterson wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And this is a quote from there. The the difference is that each step we walk, each breath we breathe, we know we are preserved by God, we know we are accompanied by God, we know we are ruled by God. And therefore, no matter what doubts we endure or what accidents we experience, the Lord will preserve us from evil. He will keep our life. The promise of this psalm is that God will protect you from ultimate harm. And the psalmist wouldn't have known that one day this would ultimately be possible through Jesus who who died once for all on our behalf, that he would bring salvation to those who put their trust in him. Eric Barker was uh, a missionary in Portugal and he was from Great Britain and he had been in Portugal for 50 years and during World War II, the, the situation became quite dangerous and so he decided to follow the advice of some friends to send his family home. So his wife and his eight children and his sister and her three children all boarded a ship while he remained behind to sort out uh, some other mission matters. Well, the Sunday after his family had left, uh, he stood up before his church and said, I've just received word that my family has arrived safely home. And then he proceeded with the service as usual. But later, the full meaning of his words became known by the people because they found that he had been sent a telegram just before the service saying uh, that a submarine had torpedoed the ship and everybody on board the ship had drowned. Now, I'm sure that Eric Barker was uh, just devastated and numb by the news, and I, I don't know how he could have preached, actually, but uh, what would you have done? Uh, who would you have gone to uh, in a disaster? Who do you go to in, in a, a terrifying disaster like that, even less than that in your life? But Eric... Barker's confidence rested on God's faithful promises. His family were followers of Christ and so he knew that he had this assurance that he would one day see them in heaven. And his assurance of their eternal life meant that he could live above his circumstances in spite of his overwhelming grief. And in the same way, this this psalm invites you to submit yourself to God's will for your life, knowing that he has your eternal destiny guarded. I should also mention one final thing. It's, it's okay to attribute the good things that we receive in life to God's grace and protection, but not the suffering and the accidents and death. Uh, going back to Job in the Old Testament, you see that the situation is almost like a bit of a dare. Satan comes to God and says, well, see this, Job, the only reason that he's really worshipping you is because um, he's getting all this stuff from you. He's a rich man. 
So it's not really genuine worship. Whereas, and God responds and says, no, it is genuine worship, uh, but I will allow you uh, to afflict things like a loss of pain, uh, sorry, loss of family and livestock and even a personal disease. And that will demonstrate to you whether his, whether his worship of me is genuine or not. And so ultimately we see as you read the whole book that Job comes out and God is glorified because through those circumstances uh, he struggled a lot for sure, but his, uh, ultimately his life glorified God. And so that really is, is uh, this psalm is, and the story of Job is a revelation that just gives us a new perspective on any difficulties that you face. So at face value, this psalm is about the physical protection of the pilgrim on their way to Jerusalem. But the main point of the psalm showed us that God's aim to pro- is to protect us from ultimate harm, being separated from his presence now and into eternity. And if you've never trusted in God's gift of grace for you, then you can do that tonight. And from that point on, you will have the creator God protecting you guarding you from ultimate harm. And so we saw that his protection is constant. It's 24-7. It's also close. He knows everything about us, like a personal bodyguard, and it's complete. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So what do you fear in 2020? What, what are you worried about? It helps to remember that God is our creator, that he has the power to protect you, And sometimes he does that physically, but more importantly, he does that spiritually. It's into eternity, the destination of our life's journey. And so knowing that Jesus gives us eternal protection and security means that we can sing uh, this song of Psalm 121 with an even greater volume and gusto than the original pilgrims. We'll now finish... Uh, with some uh, prayer, and then we'll have a um, we'll have that's all right um, communion together. Uh, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the Creator God, and that. You being the maker of this world shows your power and that we can trust in you. Uh, We see that man's sin brought in suffering and trials into this world, Uh, but you give us constant protection 24-7 and you're right by our side. In fact, you're within us by your Holy Spirit. And you also give us complete protection. You're concerned about our physical safety, but you're even more concerned about how we relate to you. And so we ask now that you would help us to quieten our hearts and reflect on this once-for-all sacrifice for us made by Jesus and that one day uh, he will come to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, 
More information about City Light Church or to donate to the work of City Light Church North Adelaide, visit us at citylight.church slash North Adelaide.